A fabringen, in Yiddish a term meaning a joyous gathering, but it's really so much more. It's insight, it's inspiration, it's the bottom line. Join Rabbi Levi Avtson, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for the Fabringen, only on 101.9 High FM. Good afternoon, my name is Rabbi Levi Avtson, and it's good to hear from you. It's good to be with you on this beautiful uh, Tuesday, the 3rd of November, on the 16th of the month of Cheshvan. And unless you've been living under a rock, or even if you have been living under a rock, chances are you know that there is an American election today. And many have said that this is the most consequential election in their history. And believe it or not, I will not be talking about who to vote for. I think it's totally out of the, out of the bounds of religion. And it's not my thing to sit there saying who to vote. So no, that's not the topic of going on. However, I do want to talk about the, the election in a more general perspective, which is something that, again, if you've been, unless you've been living under Iraq, you'll know that America, but I believe it's not just America. It's, it, America is just a mirror to the rest of the world, specifically the West, um, is polarized and extremely unagreeable on pretty much anything. And this election is just a manifestation of two very different visions, two very different desires, two very different worldviews. And more and more, we're living in a world where if I see pink, you see green. And, you know, we're, we're all becoming... I see black, you see white. I see white, you see black. We're not being able to see nuance. I, I, you know, I love history. I love studying history. I love the, not the technical, you know, the battle was fought at this corner and this amount of, um, you know, this person became king for 23 years and that person became king for, you know, X amount of time. Just the story of history, how how humanity travels and figures itself out within this world. And I often wonder, what will historians say about the time we're living in now? How will they quantify it? How will they qualify it? Will it be the I generation? Will it be, you know, the generation that moved from non-digital to digital, from non-social media to social media? Is it a transitionary generation? When I'm talking generation, I'm talking, let's say, half a century. Um, is this like, you know, the, the people who moved from the post-World War II world into a new world. Is this now the COVID generation? And who knows what the consequences will be? There's so many things that happened in our lifetime, transformative from a historical perspective, things that historians and, and students will be trying to understand for centuries, millennia to come. We're living in very consequential times. There's no question about it. It's very consequential. And we're living experiment. We're living experiments on so many areas. We're living experiments of a pandemic in, uh, in our age, you know, in the age of the 21st century. We're living experiments of what social media does to people without moderation, what uh, binge watching does, what free access to the internet, what, um, 
democracy versus totalitarianism. We're, we're living experiments on so much. It's actually crazy if you think about it. How much we're living through. But I believe that one of the most consequential things that we're living through in these times is where our perspectives are losing the ability of nuance. Our pers- that more and more of us are seeing the world in very simplistic colors. This is a problem, this isn't a problem. It's like, you know, either global warming is a problem or it isn't a problem. You'll talk to one person, racism is a problem, the next person, racism isn't a problem. And it's no like, okay, let's actually have a discussion. It's not, it's complex, let's let's discuss it. No, 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 I'm on that side of the political fence, so I believe it's an issue. I don't believe it's an issue. And from American perspective, whether it's big government, small government, socialism versus capitalism, leftist policies versus right-wing policies, religion versus maybe more non-religion, atheism, everything is just losing the ability of thinking in somebody else's perspective. Now, you might sit there saying, okay, well, you're a rabbi, you're sitting on the radio, and you're telling us to be able to see another person's perspective, but ultimately you religious fanatics, you're the ones that are the most close-minded to another point of view. Well, if that's what you're thinking, that's what I want to explore with you today. Because, no, totally not. If there's actually one ideology that embraces complexity, nuance, and debate, it is the Talmud. It is within Judaism. And I want to actually explore it with you today from, you know, and, and actually uncover it. Have you ever opened a Talmud? Have you ever sat down and actually read a Talmud? And I'm not talking about the stories in the Talmud, although they're fascinating. I'm talking about the, the, the Talmud debate, the Talmud discussion. It's not just people screaming at each other. That's okay, fine. You know, people are debating. It's really going into understanding each side of point of view. It's the ability of actually saying, okay, even though this opinion will not be the final halakhic opinion, this opinion will not be practiced in reality, I still want to understand it. I want to understand the ramifications. I want to understand how this compares to a million other things. And you go into Talmud. It's sometimes, it's mind-twisting. Some pages of Talmud are like really complicated. Sometimes a a session could go on for three, four, five pages, and each page is double-sided in small typing with without you know dots and without ends of paragraphs. And for five pages, what are we trying to explore? What did he really mean? What did Chizkia really mean? What did Beit Shammai really mean? What did Beit Hillel really mean? What did Rabbi Shimon really mean? What did Rav, what did Shmuel, how does that compare to something else they said or something somebody else says and can they contradict? And what you're doing, other than obviously the most important as you're actually studying God's wisdom, you're studying, you know, Torah, you're actually learning how to go into the head to understand that person's mahalach, that person's perspective, that person's Worldview that person's approach to this to the topic at hand, and all too often we forget that we forget that actually 
although it might seem from an out view that, you know, people sitting in a yeshiva all day are just becoming radicalized. And I understand a bit why some people might feel that. Unfortunately, when, you know, religion gets involved in politics, as it does in Israel, it twists people's perspective of what's actually going on within. But if you actually go to yeshiva and you actually sit down with the students and see what they're studying for seven, eight hours a day, they're not studying facts. They're not studying dictation. Okay, the mathematical equation of this equals that. They're not even studying historical facts. This happened then. They're not studying algebra. They're not even studying language. What they're studying is thinking. And they're studying the ability of actually thinking through somebody else's perspective. To understand multiple points of view. So now that we unpack one side for three pages, now let's unpack the other side. Why? Because we don't see difference of opinion as a threat. We see difference as opinion, as long as it's opinion, not emotion, as something to explore. Why do you see things that way? Why? Tell me why. You know, very often as a, you know, person who walks around with an ultra religious, ultra orthodox, I hate that definition, uh, dress code, so people look at you and they'll start asking you questions about now, very often the question is an attack or just like, okay, you know, you better defend yourself, Rabbi, because I just watched Unorthodox and gosh, what those people do in the Unorthodox, OMG, that is terrible. But how often do you actually approach somebody and come from a place of curiosity? I want to understand it. I mean, you're walking around like a penguin with, in black and white with that long beard. I want to understand you, and without any judgment, I'm not walking with any preconceived notions, I'm not walking in with all the TVs, uh, you know, shows I watched, or the books I read about the people who left the community and sit there spilling all the dirty laundry. I want to actually understand you. I want to understand how you see the world. I want to understand why you educate your kid in a certain way. And... I won't get offended by anything you say, even if it's different than what way I grow up, because I want to hear it. It's so rare to meet somebody like that, who has the courage to approach that. To actually sit there saying, I am not threatened by your worldview, I actually want to explore it. And that, the ability to really go into somebody else's world and ask that, that's the definition of being open-minded. Open-minded doesn't mean being that your brains fall out because you actually don't have any values and because you don't hold on to the quaint philosophies of your ancestors. No, open-minded means you have values and you know what you stand for and you're not threatened by the other persons. You're actually curious. What are your thoughts? This is 101.9 Haifa. My name is Rabbi Levi Atzin. We're going and kind of addressing the American election from the perspective of polarization and the ability to actually see the world through somebody else's perspective. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. Today we're exploring really the ability of putting ourselves in somebody else's shoes and being truly open-minded. You know, having grown up in a very close-minded uh, community, at least that's what I was told, that's what I thought, I... I when I moved out of my small little from community, I moved out to the big world, I expected to find a lot of open-minded people because, you know, everybody outside of the hardcore ultra-Orthodox is open-minded. 
And a major discovery took place in my mind. And you know what that is? That there's very few open-minded people. That open-minded does not mean that you're not religious. Open-minded does not mean that you embrace every single new idea. Open-minded doesn't mean that you're right-wing or left-wing. Open-minded does not mean that you're, you know, ahead of your time with ideas of liberty and equality. Although all that stuff is good and fantastic, some of the stuff at least, um, you know, like it can't be right-wing and left-wing, both fantastic, but, you know, each person to their perspective. But that's not the point. That's not open-minded. That's idealistic. That's passionate. It might even be rigid, but it's not open-minded. Because you know what open-minded means? Open-minded does not mean that you walk over to your grandparents and say, you know what, you guys are so primitive, you're from the dark ages. I'm sophisticated. No. Open-minded is that you could actually listen to your grandparents' perspective and that they could listen to you. Open-minded literally means that you have enough conviction in what you believe in that you're not threatened to talk to somebody else. What's the worst that's going to happen? If they're wrong, then you'll hope, and they're also open-minded, and you'll be able to discuss it and hopefully convince them. If they're right, then you'll embrace it, and that's fantastic. What's wrong? You don't want to find the truth? Why are we so threatened to hear somebody else's perspective? It's amazing to me how often people get emotional about ideas. Now, yes, there's certain ideas that are absolutely, you know, disgraceful beyond the pale. If somebody comes up and says, you know, let's, uh, let's condone genocide. Okay, that's not an idea that's just absolute, you know, evil. I think there's, there's a basic morality that we can all agree on, a shared morality that almost everybody in this world, you know, agrees. There's certain things that are just not okay. Looting. Stealing somebody else's things, killing, disloyalty, not keeping your word. These are basic ethics and morals and standards. And yes, I don't have to be open-minded to listen to some, you know, nutcase coming and pontificating why going and looting somebody else's private property is okay. And I don't have to listen to somebody's justification why any kind of xenophobia is okay. There are certain things that even the most open-minded individual, if they're moral and ethical and they have a grounding, will not be willing to hear. I don't think there's any legitimacy. I, not I don't think. I know there's no legitimacy to hate people. There's no legitimacy to murder. There's no legitimacy to steal. The Noahide laws, the basic decent, the basic decent behavior. Of, you know, there's no justification to hurt an animal just for the sake of hurting. There's certain things that are basic premises of just having a a heart. So no, I don't have to listen to a raging anti-Semite coming and justifying their anti-Semitism. I don't have to listen to a racist justifying any kind of racism on any other race. I don't have to listen to a bigot. Because again, those are not perspectives that fall within the pale. They're just beyond the pale, and and there are certain ideas beyond the pale. However, there is an incredible amount of ideas within the pale, within fear conversation, within fear discussion, within things that are not black and white, within things that are nuanced and complex. 
And over there, there's not enough open minds. I actually find there's more open minds to hear radical, crazy ideas than to actually hear nuanced, balanced ideas, which is ironic because crazy, you know, out of the out of the realm ideas should not be listened to. You know, they should be kept outside the pale. But within the pale, within the confines of, of healthy debate and, and boundaries and morality, yeah, things are complex. What's the best way to, to assure Jewish continuity? What's the best way to raise a, a, you know, a child? What's the most, uh, gosh, what's a healthy, balanced way within a marriage? What does equality within a marriage look like? How should one raise their sons and daughters to, to be the best people they can be? Et cetera, et cetera. There's millions of stuff which are nuanced. And yet, you come up and you offer a perspective which is against the, the way the other person does things and snap, straight to emotion. Defensive, how dare you? How dare I what? Have a different perspective from you? Yeah, how dare you? Why, what's wrong? How do you know you're right? What do you mean? I live my life that way. So just because you live your life that way doesn't mean you're right. Maybe you made a wrong decision. No, 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 I didn't make a wrong decision. You're the one that's wrong. Says who? Can we explore that without you getting red in the face? I used to teach in high school. And I used to do this like it was one of my favorite pastimes. Maybe it was like a bit of an obsession. Um to like really push the envelope on, you know, like ideas that, you know, kids will say and they'll be like, how dare you attack the way my parents raised me? They believe that this is okay. And I'll be like, okay. And your parents have a right to their perspective and I have a right to my perspective. So, you know, whether, you know, how much, you know, Jewish studies they should have a day or whether their parents are right to give them a phone without um, any security on it to make sure that, you know, you don't do anything stupid, whether the parents were right to just, you know, let the kid pretty much raise themselves, etc. Certain things that I would attack and I would, you know, I would challenge. And almost every time you would have these kids getting up red in the face. How dare you? How dare I what? How dare I say that your parents are doing something not intentional, but what they're doing is criminal by giving you a phone that has no limitations on times and websites you can go to. I, I think it's criminal. You could argue with me. Again, I don't think it's intentionally criminal, but it's an it's it's wrong and it's destroying your life. How dare you? How dare I? What? I'm allowed to have that view. You're and you are allowed not to have it. But let's discuss it instead of attacking me. You know, one of the things you might remember from high school is debate teams. And one of the fascinating things about professional debate is that often the way it works is you come in and you don't actually know what side of the debate you have to take. So they'll put an idea on the table and then they'll allocate to the two debate teams two different sides of the debate. And then they have to prepare it. Now, could be personally they disagree with the idea that they have to present, but they've been given now you have to present uh, I don't know, let's say the pro-socialist idea, and you have to present the pro-capitalist idea, and technically the, the, the one side could be more socialist, another side might be capitalist, but you present the idea you have, so then going and attacking the other person is stupid because they didn't choose the idea they present. It was chosen for them. But often that's what we do. We don't listen to an idea. We just attack. 
So, I'm talking to you right now, okay? We are on the radio, and you might be listening live, or you might be listening to a recording later on. And I'm having a discussion. And something I might say might irritate you. Who does he think he is? Okay, true point. You know what? Talk to yourself first, Rabbi, okay? All, you know, various different feelings that you might... But at some stage, do you mind just actually listening? And you don't have to agree with me, but listen. Is there truth in this? Is there truth in the fact that most of us don't listen to ideas, but rather we are preparing to attack? And the second, you know, it's me presenting idea, or you, I'm saying, but basically... You look at me and you sit there saying, okay, of course, you know, you know, he's a rabbi. I mean, what else is he going to say? Yeah, that's his job. He's getting paid for it. So, you know, obviously he's going to pontificate a more right-wing, pro-religious perspective. Thank you very much. I'll move on. What do you mean? Listen to the idea. Don't focus on me. Like, have it like a blind session, like the voice or some other place where, the, you know, you, you, you just listen to the person's talent without looking at their face. Listen to an idea without, and just like, obviously, again, let me put that caveat I said before. There are certain ideas that are beyond the pale, ideas that condone evil. But there is so much within the pale, so go there. Every day we're alive is the ability to learn more, to learn a new perspective. But if we're so locked into the way we see things, that we're convinced that the way I see things is the absolute truth. Gosh, am I locking myself up, not only from getting along with other people, but from enriching my life. Because life is a discovery after a discovery after a discovery after a discovery. And that's the journey we're on, to learn more about ourselves, about the world, about our hearts, about our spirituality, why close ourselves in to ideas? We'd love to hear your thoughts on 34519. This is Rabbi Levi Atzen from Linksfield Shul, and this is the Soul to Soul show. Fabringen, 1 to 2 on Tuesdays on Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Atzen on 101.9 High FM. Okay, 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 okay. Open-minded. That's what we've been talking about today. To listen, you know, I, I, on Zoom, having sessions on Zoom, you discover something very interesting. You know, usually when you're giving a lecture, people have the courtesy not to leave. So even if you're saying something controversial, the most they're going to do is maybe fall asleep or get red in the face. But on Zoom, if they don't like what you're saying, they leave. And when I give a Zoom class or a Zoom session, local, international, whatever, it's almost predictable at what stages of the presentation people will start signing up. Usually, okay, so obviously if you're boring and you're talking absolute, you know, like monotone, then yeah, people will leave. But often what they're leaving about is, he just said an idea I disagree with. I don't want to hear him anymore. And it happens all the time. Not only in my presentations, I've seen it on other, you know, I've been on many Zooms. You see it. The second a person comes and says something, they're like, ah, pushes the envelope, and suddenly the, the numbers start. And by the way, I hate that thing about Zoom. You actually see the numbers dropping. As a speaker, it's like so disheartening. Okay, you just said that 10 people stepped off. Like, can't they just 
have the option of not seeing it, of not seeing it. But um, what happens? People don't like it. Another example, even when you give a live lecture, a drosha, once you get to know people in my community, etc., I can predict, based on the drosha I gave, what people are going to walk over and enjoy it and say they enjoyed it, and what people are just going to walk out and say, Shkoyachrov, like, you know, the typical nice civil thing to do. Because once I understand, you know, once I've had conversations with individuals and know their worldview, then if I say a speech that confirms their worldview, they'll walk over and say thank you. If I say a speech that negates their worldview, if they're courteous and polite, they'll just walk out and say thanks, Rav. And if they're not, they'll walk over to me and, you know, take me to task. How dare I say something like that? But that bothers me. It bothers me, not because, like, oh my gosh, like, I'm not, you know, I'm the speaker. But, like, why did you get uncomfortable when I spoke about something you don't agree with? I think it's actually a good exercise to listen to speakers you don't agree with. I can say from personally, I do it all the time. One of my things that, you know, when I wind down at the end of the day, I love watching TED Talks. Now, a lot of TED Talks are neutral, but a lot of TED Talks are not neutral. Very, you know, not religious-based, not faith-based, um, you very often gravitating towards leftist politics, not necessarily stuff I fully agree with. But it's amazing to listen to. And I challenge myself. And then when, I, when sometimes I get uncomfortable, I ask to myself, okay, Levy, what's going on? Are you just about to shut off the video because it's boring or because you're threatened by the person's idea? Why are you threatened? Are you so uncertain about your what you believe in? Listen, hear that presentation. What's the worst that's going to happen? You know, so I grew up maybe, <clears throat> not so much even my younger years, but throughout, like I grew up with people that global warming was not a major conversation for them. Um, either they doubted it or they doubted that that was man-made or they doubted that even if it's man-made, the human being could do something about it. And for many years, like global warming was the kind of thing that meant nothing to me. And chances are, as I'm talking right now, you'll be like, oh my gosh, what's he about to say? Oh, Lord. Well, I opened my mind. I listened to a lot of topics. And I start realizing it is an important thing. I don't agree with the people who say it's the single most important thing on the planet. I think there's a lot of more immediate things. But yes, it is an important thing. And I've changed my perspective on it because I've allowed myself to not be threatened. And again, I'm choosing something like that because it's totally neutral. It's not religious or not religious to believe in global warming, although some people turn it into a religious idea either to be pro or against. I don't think it's religious at all. It's scientific. Okay, so then you, you listen and you sit there saying, okay, well, interesting facts. Let me, you know, hear the other side. Let me balance it. But like, even as I'm saying it, I'm getting uncomfortable. You know why? Because I'd imagine that some of the listeners are saying, oh my gosh, he went off the deep end. Or, what took him so long to figure it out? Etc. 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 And I was like, let's, what's wrong to hear another perspective? Not just as entertainment, but to actually listen. They might have something. They might not be the best at articulating it, so they might say something in a way that hurts, 
But try to see past it. You know, like that's what happens on social media. The second you say half an impolitically correct statement, uh, line in your social media, right away everyone texts. Fine. You know what? They maybe weren't the most articulate. Not everybody went to politically correct school and knows how to string the most, you know, multi-sensitive sentence. But what are they trying to say? Can you listen to them? What are they trying to say? What's at the heart of their presentation? What's at the heart of their worldview? Most people don't go out to be evil. What are they trying to say? Often we don't listen to that. I'll be honest, forget about even a person in another political party. Your spouse. Spouse comes home and says something. Husband, wife, child, parent. And what do we do? Often because family is a very emotionally charged environment. How dare you? You're attacking me. Are you saying I'm not a good enough parent? Are you saying that, you know, that you're not, you're not proud of me, mom? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, okay, fine. Now what? Can you, what were they trying to say? Try to tell yourself what they were trying to say in maybe nicer words. Maybe your husband, wife, parent, child doesn't know how to articulate their emotions well, which by the way, it's a good skill to learn how to articulate because it does save a lot of grief. But what were they trying to say? Can you listen to that? Instead of getting all defensive, what are they saying? Because ultimately that's what happens all the time. We're just getting defensive. We're just attacking. It's not only on social media, it's live as well. It's all over. Like the inability. What? Listen! You idiot, how dare you say like that? You radical, you fanatic, you... Stop labeling the person. It just makes you sound defensive. That's all it sounds. The moment my idea makes you uncomfortable, you have to ask yourself one thing. Why? It's not about me. You could totally disagree with everything I said the last hour. It's your right. And most of what I said were not actually religious ideas. They were just what I believe is common sense, but it's my perspective. But if you found yourself during this conversation getting, ask yourself why. And if you turned on off the radio and then you turned it back on because maybe you were curious how much crazier it's going to get, why? Why did you shut it off? Why do you agree with what I'm saying? Why do you disagree? Why? Don't ask it to me. Ask it to you. This is 101.9, Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9, Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avtson wrapping up a today's show. Uh, I dedicated the show to, not really dedicated, but kind of got inspired to put, present this based on the fact that the American election is as polarized as ever. Again, we did not take sides. It's not... My role, it's actually dangerous in my perspective for religious leaders to get involved, but it was simply to have a discussion about can we see the other person's point of view? Not only the other person on the other side of the fence politically, but the other person in your house, the other gender, the other age. You know, we often use things like, oh my gosh, men will never understand women, women will never understand men. Generational gap is too big. Generations will never understand each other. Pretty much everybody doesn't understand everybody. That's <laughs> with all these justifications. Like, no, no, there's room to understand. There's absolute room to understand one another. And I say, let's do it. Challenge. Call me, 
call up somebody who sees the world in a different way and go out for coffee or just watch their talk on YouTube and like listen. They might actually have something that will enrich your life. We finish off with a beautiful Hasidic melody recorded recently. It's the melody called Kirega Be'apo on 101.9 Chai FM. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And may we all be blessed with all the blessings in our lives. Yom Tov.